Yeah, well, with the Wild or anything like they've been in the last few years, they start out hot, then they turn into the Vikings. <laughs> I thought uh, earlier, uh, you said, uh, and the amazing thing is that the Blackhawks are still ahead of them. I thought for sure you were going to say the amazing thing is that they're still barely going to make the playoffs. What you drinking tonight, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Too much, apparently. <laughs> uh, um, so tonight, uh, in honor of the holidays, I have uh, eggnog. With uh, Well, I have a, a little bit of eggnog with a lot of bit of brandy, uh, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Uh, and also, for backup, I have a yellow Powerade Zero. Is eggnog always brandy or is it rum? Um, I don't know. Actually, usually uh, I don't put alcohol in my eggnog because I just like the taste of eggnog, especially when it's cold or hot in a latte. Um, but uh, I had it with uh, brandy a couple weeks ago and I thought it was really good. I don't know if I've ever had it with rum. I guess I don't usually make my own eggnog, so I have no idea what's in there, I guess, but maybe it is brandy. Well, I didn't make this. I mean, I uh, bought this at the store and then poured brandy in there and then was surprised that I had to stir it as vigorously as I did to get them to mix together. Right. The mixing part is what I meant by making it. I don't (laughs) mix my own brandy or mix my own eggnog. I also don't make eggnog. You like eggnog, though, don't you? Uh, I don't know when the last time I've had eggnog was. I mostly like it for the uh, alcohol content. Don't aren't you a fala latte guy? I'm a ho ho mint mocha guy. Okay, so you you're not into the fala latte. I don't have any problem with it, but I mean that's not all eggnog. You can definitely taste the eggnog though. Yeah. Actually, I used to like the fala latte more than I do now. I think they burn the eggnog too much, and then so it's kind of like not so good. Um, I'm kind of like a campfire mocha guy year round now. Yeah, I'm a ho-ho mint mocha, um, what, berry white mocha, and uh, vanilla latte or vanilla crafted press. Uh, caribou or Starbucks? I mean, caribou for sure. Or I know I know Emma likes caribou, but where are you at? Uh, Starbucks for the pumpkin spice latte. Caribou for the ho-ho mint mocha. Caribou for the vanilla crafted press. And Starbucks for a vanilla latte. So so your preference is uh, seasonal then? Yeah, depending on what I'm looking for is where, well, depending on what's closer is where I'll go. And then that'll depend on what I get. But if you got, if you got uh, equidistant coffee shops, are you going to Caribou or Starbucks? It depends on what I'm in the mood for. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on the uh, vanilla latte. That's that's definitely my uh, my go to Starbucks drink. Although I've been getting the uh, vanilla uh, latte macchiato. You ever try those? No. Um, I can't really describe it now. It's like a. You ever had a flat white? Yes. It's like a. It's like a halfway. I think between a flat white and a and a, a latte. So there's a Dunkin' Donuts in the airport now too. Really? If you wanted to buy a plane ticket to get a cup of coffee. There's some people that I know that might do that. My grandma loves Dunkin' Donuts coffee. 
Well, the last time I was in the airport at 4.30 in the morning, I walked by Caribou and stopped and waited. Then I took like another 10 feet and I was like, what? There's Dunkin' Donuts. Where is it? It's in the main uh, terminal. The It's by the food court, basically. Nice. They're redoing the whole area. If I ever fly again, I'll be sure to uh, keep that in mind. So, uh, what do you got going on in that glass? Uh, so I have Jay Carver Rye Whiskey, local, batch two, made in Minnesota, uh, given to me by a former coworker, and it's a lot better than I thought, and I had a lot less left than I thought, so this is the remaining liquid that I have in batch two. And then I also have my Powerade Zero diluted with filtered water so that uh, I can actually get through a day drinking almost 100 ounces of water, which is what I try to do. Wait, so hold on a second. So could you repeat the last part? So it's 10 ounces of orange Powerade Zero. Orange is important. None of the other flavors work well for this. And 14 ounces of filtered water. So you're just trying to flavor your water? It has nothing to do with, like, diluting the Powerade so much as the Powerade is flavoring the water? Uh, I don't really drink the Powerade without the water anymore, but I buy a lot of Powerade. So it's it's both. I can't just drink a big thing of water all the time, especially as temperature changes. So right away, when it's cold, I can drink it. But as it gets warmer, then it tastes like warm water. Yeah, it's like the, uh, you're like the girl from Sixth Sense. I only saw that movie once, and I don't remember what you're talking about. And she leaves the water all over the place because it gets dusty and, and whatnot. So if she would have just put some Powerade in there, then, you know, the aliens probably would have won. Because then she went to have the water laying all over the place to, wait, ghosts, aliens? What's that movie about? Signs. Signs. No, 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 The Sixth Sense, that's the one about the aliens. The Sixth Sense is the one about the Bruce Willis, and he's already dead. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, wait, so, am I thinking about Signs? I think you're thinking about Signs. It rained. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that just, like, totally, like, blows a lid on... On the reference that I've been using for like the past decade. You're welcome. <laughs> so what? So when did you start? Uh, when did you start doing this? Um, it had to be probably after I stopped being at an office every day, uh, where I could walk over to a chilled, filtered water dispenser and fill up my water. Because my fridge doesn't do that apparently. But uh, I don't know. I started buying Powerades. I started drinking Powerades. And then as a effort to try and drink more water, I started doing about uh, half half my water, and then I slowly moved it down to uh, about 10 ounces in a 24-ounce water bottle. And so I'll go through one 32-ounce Powerade in a day, and usually with dinner I'll just have water. So I get about 100 ounces just out of that. I don't know if my coffee counts as water. We'll count it. Okay. So I'm getting, you know, most days a pretty good intake. That's pretty good. So it was like a a cost-saving measure because you're starting to go through too many power aids, but also just 
a way to tolerate water that's not necessarily ice cold. Yeah, I don't know if it's a cost saving measure. Uh they're a dollar or less. Uh, I'm not gonna I mean I could drink two of them a day, but then I'm still only at sixty four ounces and it's harder to drink water when you just finished Powerade. There's a big change in sweetness. Very true. And then at the end of the day I cancel it all out with whiskey. Okay, so follow up. Um the last podcast, the cluster. I didn't use GarageBand at all. Really? Did it entirely on my iPad while I was gone for the weekend over Christmas. Uh, it took me a good, solid two to four days to decide to spend money on an app, but I couldn't really do much with the 10-minute limit, so fair right. Uh, it's the app that Jason Snell uses in the video on his Six Colors. When he talks about how to edit a podcast on iOS. So I gave that a try. Then I had to buy a MP3 encoder that I could export from Ferrite to the MP3 encoder to Dropbox. And that was also $10 and that took me about six seconds to buy. Nice. So there's there are differences. I mean, and there are some shortfalls of it that... I hope get fixed. It supports a keyboard, but you can't highlight a clip and delete. You still have to tap it and delete it, which I thought was really annoying. I just wanted to highlight it with my left hand, hit the delete button on the keyboard, and then move on to the next thing. Um, it has a cool strip silence feature. So when we import each of our tracks, two individual tracks, I can just highlight it, strip silence, and it breaks it down into just what it thinks are snippets of sound, which is good because then it really is like when you look at the timeline, you can really see where it thinks there's sound. So you're saying it, it uh, breaks the clips up based on the silences. So you don't have to actually do like the cutting. You just go through and select which clips are good and which clips are no good. Yeah. And then it also allows you to say, I delete a chunk of back and forth. Um, I can select everything across multiple tracks after the track that I'm selecting, and then it allows me to move everything. That's nice. Did you, um, one of the things I struggle with on GarageBand is if I delete a big clip, like selecting a whole bunch of clips after that clip and then moving them all at once. I'm sure there's like a shortcut key for that, but is that something that, like I had to like drag the mouse like forever, and I was only working with like a five minute clip. Um, is there a way to do that? I'm using GarageBand 6 on my iMac. That's what I did for episode one. And that has some supposed podcast-specific things in it. And I'm not sure what those are. You should have probably... If you go linearly, then everything after where you're working should still all be one clip. Okay, so don't open GarageBand to check what version it is in the middle of talking about GarageBand. <laughs> So I think the last thing I mentioned was that if you're doing it linear linearly, then uh, you start with one track. You only split things where you need to as you go so that when you have to move things, you're dealing with one long clip. Yeah, so the the one thing that I really did with GarageBand was I had a, uh audio of my daughter and I talking to each other. And for whatever reason, it doesn't make sense when she talks. Maybe it's because she's 
less than 18 months old. Um, so I had to do like a lot of moving around, a lot of cutting, and I tried a couple of things in a couple of different places and uh, actually did some like re-voiceover stuff on it because it made a lot more sense that I said something before she said it. So you understood what she was saying. Um, so you edited your baby to sound smarter. Well, yeah, it was kind of. It was more like the first time I did it, I was just going to do her talking. And then I did it with like one clip of me saying something and then her repeating me. And then I thought, oh, it'd be good to have all that stuff back. So then I basically had to just re-edit it with what I had said before. But it's funny, she loves the microphone. She talks. She goes right up and talks into it. It's hilarious. Yeah, so we'll have to see how this works. I'll try to keep this going uh, with the iPad app and see if I can edit them together and see if we have any problems and see if I can learn some new tricks and go from there. Do they have a Mac app too? Or are you, are you, you just kind of have to like choose then you're always going to do it on the iPad or you're going to figure out GarageBand to work all the time. Yeah. I mean, ideally I'd like to use one thing, I guess it doesn't really matter in the end. We end up with the same file. That was the thing you were talking about then that you did different. You want to know if I could tell. Yeah. Nice. Well, I could not, so good work. We just finished Christmas. Uh, did you get any good gifts that you want to talk about? You were going to the uh, Whiskey on Ice. Yes. In April. Yes. And I don't think we have to bring them with us. I believe that is correct. Okay. I actually had no idea. <laughs> I just assumed. I don't think Emma would have been drinking a lot of whiskey, so that's good. So I I was notified of this gift uh, via text message. Uh, my wife called me in the room and said, uh, do you have your phone on you? Yes. And then she sent me a text with the uh, poster. So really all I know about it is what I saw on the poster. Do you know anything else about it other than 200 whiskeys, uh, Depot in Minneapolis, presumably on top of the hockey rink, hopefully with some carpet so we're not slipping and falling after all the whiskey? So I was notified about this uh, with a printout of the logo attached to a bottle of Johnny Walker Red. Oh. So one of us did better. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want Red either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Whiskey on Ice is Minnesota's premier whiskey celebration. Preparing now for our third annual gathering, Whiskey on Ice will bring together 100 distilleries from around the world for an evening grand tasting for 700 whiskey lovers. So it's a limited ticket event, and I will add this to the show notes. Wow, that's a lot of people. How how are we, I I guess we have a little bit of time to think about this, but how are we going to prioritize 200 whiskeys other than staying completely away from the Canadian whiskey? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I'm going to have to see it and adjust. I'm more concerned with how are we going to get home? Yes, <laughs> that's a good question. Hopefully uh, hopefully a ride is included in this gift package that we received. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, at least an Uber. But um, the pictures from previous years look interesting. It doesn't look terribly crowded. Um, there might not have been 700 people there last year. I don't know. That'll be exciting, and that'll give us another topic. And maybe we should do a live podcast from the event. We'll work up to that. <laughs> uh, what else you get? Anything else? 
I got a second Google Home. Oh, yeah? Where's that going to go? I don't know yet. We got some options, so we're in negotiations from where to put that and whose account we're going to attach to it, and if it's got to have the same account attached to it in order to link them together, I'm not sure yet, so we're going to have to work through that and figure that out. Right now, it is in the bedroom. Okay. So Google can hear everything that we say in our sleep. So uh, my thoughts were, I was thinking maybe in this order, kitchen, downstairs living room, bedroom. I guess maybe upstairs living room. I don't know where you guys spend most of your time, like in the evenings. Well, the first one is in my office. The second one is in the bedroom. So setting timers, I can certainly do from the kitchen to my office. That's fine. With a closed space in the house, the whole first floor being so segmented, really the best place to put it would probably be the dining room, but I want it in my office. Yeah, so we'll see. We're going to have to work through that. Well, good luck. I also got a uh, large bottle of Jameson that we promptly drank on Christmas. When, and when you say large? I, I don't know. I don't have the bottle. It's gone. <laughs> There were four or five of us drinking it, so it wasn't just me. And we well, we decided not to go home um, because of the weather, so we stayed at the in-laws, and everybody drank while playing Pictionary. It sounds like a very like uh, stereotypical holiday event, drunk Pictionary. Well, I, th- I think the Pictionary came from Emma's side of the family, and the drunk came from my side of the family. <laughs> it's a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, and then I got uh, I got one thing that we'll talk about at a later point because I haven't actually received it yet, but it was a Kickstarter and should be pretty interesting, and we might have some comparisons to talk about because they are some Bluetooth headphones. Ooh. And then uh, a lot of miscellaneous. Are those, are those uh, going in the show notes, or are we going to be kept in suspense on what those are? That'll probably be kept in suspense. Okay. Well, I will. Uh, I will commit to not searching uh, Kickstarter for Bluetooth headphones <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Uh, you can. You can. You can do whatever you like. I will not not confirm or deny. <laughs> How about you? How was your Christmas? It was good. Uh, other than some uh, some weather events that we also had up north, um, it was good. We had uh, good time with the great grandparents. And some nice, uh, we, we played some Christmas trivia at, at Christmas there, which was a first for us. Uh, thought we did really well. Got last place, or maybe second to last. So uh, there's that. As far as gifts go, I got some very nice pots and pans, which is what I was hoping for. So, uh, you know, I like to cook, and I uh, wasn't really happy with the quality of specifically pots. But I got a set with uh, pots and pans, so I'm pretty happy with uh, with where that's going. Um, also, I got a uh, box for my dad, and uh, usually my dad doesn't pick out the gifts, so I'm always kind of skeptical when the tag says dad on it. Uh, I opened the box, and there was a picture of two of my friends from high school, acquaintances really, but uh, that had opened a brewery in Fargo. Um, and I guess he was at the liquor store, as he's you know ought to do from time to time, and uh, ran into these guys and had no idea who they were. 
and went up and started talking to him. And one of the guys said, uh, Hey, Mr. Steenerson, uh, how are you doing? And, uh, so anyways, he found out who they were and took a picture with them and bought a bunch of their beer and they gave me a glass. So I got a couple, uh, I don't know what the big bottles are, if they're like 24 ounces or something like that of uh Drecker brewing from Fargo. I'm pretty excited to cool those down and give those a try. Growlers or smaller? No, they're not growlers. They're like uh, the big bottles. So like the, you know, the bottles that you get, like the make your own beer kit in, it's like that size. Yeah, Mila got a uh, play kitchen that I'll be setting up in the next uh, couple weeks or months, depending on <laughs> how long I'm able to not set it up. But uh, I'm sure that will be fun hearing uh, hearing stuff bang around for the rest of the time that we do podcasts. Sixteen and a half more years. <laughs> <laughs> the clock's on my wall. I'm sure she'll be very happy to hear that when she's old enough to understand what it means. You think she'll go back and, and dig through the archive? Well, I'll give it to her. <laughs> Happy 15th birthday. Uh, you're going to be getting your learner's permit soon. Here's something to listen to in the car. Here's all the clips from your dad over the last 15 years. <laughs> just, this, just the ones specifically talking about uh, you uh, that you might not want to hear. Or anything that could be, you know, could sound like it was talking about you. Yeah, right. With the magic of editing. And, you know, by the time uh, by the time she's that age, you'll probably be able to edit a whole podcast on an iPad. No. <laughs> Impossible. Impossible. So uh, it was weird because Christmas Day, we normally drive home and do our Christmas. But because it was over freezing, it rained. But there was a lot of wind. So when the rain you know, hit the road, basically turn ice. So it rained all day and we had to decide around two o'clock whether we wanted to eat dinner and drive home or whether we were just going to stay. And the weather was bad enough and I was the one who was going to drive that we weren't going to stay or we weren't going to leave until at least when the warning was over and we wouldn't have gotten back until pretty late anyway. So we just decided to stay, which obviously led to a lot of drinking, but 40 degrees, I think, uh, was the high. That just, that's weird for Christmas. Yeah, it's weird. We had a bunch of freezing rain, too, and then uh, snow and blowing snow. And uh, it, it kind of worked out good for us because um, Sandra's dad actually came down with shingles. So uh, that's not fun, from what I understand. From, from what I understand. Um, so they actually postponed the, the Thompson family Christmas that we usually have on Christmas day. Uh, they postponed that to, I think the weekend before my birthday. So, uh, it kind of saved us, uh, from having to drive through this terrible weather on Sunday, which was nice, but it was, it's also, I kind of enjoy that ride home on Christmas day. It's like, after all the family time, it's just like a nice, like, uh, it's like me time behind the wheel. You know, everybody's tired, sleeping in the car for the most part, um, but we survived. Yeah, our drive home, while there's less people on the road, always has that crying coming from the back seat. It's so annoying. <laughs> and then the dog crawls up into the front seat and sits with Emma for the last hour of the trip and finally shuts up. Does he still bark at the cars as they go by? No, it's just high-pitched whining for an hour and a half. 
in my ear because he prefers the driver's side of the car. <laughs> so then did you add a fourth weekend in a row to driving up? Well, no, because he's he, because he's got shingles, we're not going to go up for New Year's then, so we're going to stick around here, and I think my parents are going to come down, maybe hit the slopes, or uh, the bump that in Minnesota we call slopes, uh, find something to do, depending on what the weather's like. Buck Hill? Uh, probably Afton, if we were to go somewhere. It's a little bit bigger, a little bit farther away. Yeah, where is that? Um, it's uh, like south... Uh, south of Woodbury, maybe like between Woodbury and whatever else is. I don't know. It's somewhere, somewhere down south of Woodbury. Woodbury is pretty close to Wisconsin. Yeah, it's pretty close to Wisconsin. I think it's right across the river. You could stop in Wisconsin, pick up some beer. My dad actually got a a twelve pack of uh, Spotted Cow for Christmas. I saw that. Wonder who went over and got that. I don't know. It was not me. Because he thought it was me? I don't know who else it would have been, I guess. Yeah, we actually gave my dad a, a tap handle, because he's a big keg guy now. Um, it's a, it's like an aluminum Easton hockey stick, uh, and on top of it is a North Stars puck. That was pretty cool. He liked that. It might be the first gift that I've given him in the last decade that he actually uses. If you brought him a party keg of Spotted Cow, he'd probably use that too, temporarily. Well, it's funny because he opened it and in front of the person who gave it to him, he's like, well, I don't really like this stuff, but it's pretty good. (laughs) Oh, wow. So he might, he might re-gift it to my cousin who really, uh, he's in Bismarck and he's a, he's a very big fan of it and he's a very long ways away from it. Yeah. I mean, he can bring it down this weekend. I will come visit. I will recommend that for sure. So you want to talk about my uh, Beats complaints? Sure. Okay, so uh, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was quite cold and snowy in our, uh, in our neighborhood up here. So uh, I did, you know, for the first time, I thought, uh, well, you know, I need to keep my ears warm and I need to shovel this six inches of snow off the driveway. So why don't I put my Beats on and go outside and shovel the driveway? Seems logical, right? Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what would go wrong. Yeah, so I think you probably know where this is going, but so I got, so I'm, I'm listening to, uh, by the way, a shout out, I'm listening to uh, NPR's How I Built This. Not sure if you've listened to that one before. No, I haven't. That's, it's a good one. Um, I'm listening to, I think, Mark Cuban on there, and uh, good episode, I'm into it, I'm shoveling, and all of a sudden, dead. And I was probably outside for 10 minutes when my full battery headphones died shoveling the driveway. What was the temperature? Probably about zero, maybe a little bit warm, maybe like 10. So, I mean, I guess I, in in hindsight, I should have expected this, but God, you just expect these things to work when they, when they have a full battery. And honestly, the battery on these beats is unbelievable. It lasts for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time, and I use them pretty much every day. And I had almost a full battery, and I go outside, and 10 minutes, it's dead. Was it dead, or did it think it was dead? Uh, well, I guess it, it... Let's just say it was inoperable. I brought them back inside, and they were fine the next day. 
But so I switched to my uh, cheap <laughs> Bluetooth uh, in-ear workout headphones that I use for cycling. And yeah, they worked for the next uh, 25 minutes when I was outside listening to the rest of that episode and some of the next episode while I finished the uh, the driveway and the sidewalk. Yeah, so they have the iPhone problem that they don't work for anybody who lives like north of the Mason-Dixon line in the winter. Yeah, I mean, I just, I understand that like battery technology is hard and we're seeing the same thing and, you know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe even worse now with the new MacBooks, although maybe they've fixed it. Who knows? I don't because I don't have one. Um, I, I mean, I get batteries are hard, but like, how can something go from being perfectly fine to not working at all in 10 minutes, even in cold temperatures? Yeah, so this is exactly what the problem was with my iPhone 6, and it wasn't a one-time problem. I think it became an ongoing problem after the first time I went outside in the cold. So I, I wonder if that's a thing you're going to have to deal with or not. I sure hope not. I mean, my six did the same thing. And even to the point where uh, I would go on a bike ride and it would be like 50 degrees and I would get <laughs> like 16 miles away from home and then it would die. And if I wanted to know my distance on my route, I would have to like painstakingly go through an update, click, 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 click uh, on the trails that I was on to uh, to finish my route. Uh, so what I started doing is wrapping my phone in a big, thick wool sock and then putting it in my bike so it would stay insulated for my ride. So have you Googled this yet? I mean, somebody must sell uh, phone and headphone warmers. <laughs> and if they don't... Kickstarter. Hey, my sister just got some big uh, UGG, uh, you know, ear things for Christmas, and I asked her if they were, uh, I asked her if they were Bluetooth. <laughs> so maybe this is our solution. We make uh, big like sweaters for our uh, Bluetooth headsets. I don't know. Maybe yours. I mean, you got yours is a Kickstarter thing. So uh, your Bluetooth headphones, they probably have like a bottle opener on them and a USB charger that charges your phone. Um, all the things that Kickstarter projects do, right? So this is a version two, and I think you might be right about version one. But these are also in-ear, so hopefully like a winter hat and body heat will keep them warm. I don't know. Okay, so does that mean that you are not interested in the AirPods? Well, it means that... The first thing I'm interested in is trying the the ones that I am going to get at some point. Um, I've always been only tentatively interested in the AirPods at best. Because the fit? Yeah, the fit and... I don't know. I am definitely tired of wires, that's for sure. They get caught everywhere. But just because Apple made headphones that are Bluetooth doesn't mean that I'm necessarily interested in those i i just i don't think yeah it's because they're earbuds like even if they uh are great like can i use them for working out if not then i need to get other headphones i mean i i don't know i hope that these stay in better they look like they will they have multiple sizes for fit hopefully they can be multi-use hopefully they don't die in the cold uh, it sounds like the battery life is only six hours and the charging is not as good as the earbuds, but I don't know that that matters. 
that might still fit my use pretty well. Yeah, I will say that the uh, the W1 chip is, when it works, <laughs> amazing. I've had a couple times where it hasn't worked. Uh, and in that case, it's super annoying because it, it's, lo- it's like a lot of Apple things, right? Most of the time they work so well that when they when they work like other things, it's even more frustrating, right? Because especially they like uh, Siri, I tried to show my grandpa something this weekend in Siri. And what do you know? That's like the one time in the last month or six months that Siri hasn't worked for me at all. And then it's just even more frustrating. You just feel like an idiot. Well, okay, so yeah, you're not always going to be showing people Siri, but the earbuds, you can do basically what? Uh, play, stop. You can't even turn the volume up without Siri, and Siri only works with a internet connection. Yeah, that is concerning. Um, I have my watch on me almost all the time, so that'll be probably my main control for the the AirPods when I get them. Um, but yeah, the lack of just like a swipe to volume up and down or something like that on the side is uh you know, I guess I'll be buying the version 2s when they come out with that. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in the version 5s, but I mean the fact that you can't have a local Siri or a local voice detection where all it does is recognize that it needs to turn the volume up or skip a track or go back 30 seconds. Like that seems like a very limited number of use cases that I would expect to be able to do if you're going to introduce something. These are our best earpods yet or these are our best AirPods yet. But yeah, I mean, when you when you use terms like magical, um, you should be able to turn the volume up and down. Well, unless they understand just when you want it to be louder without you having to say anything, that would be magical. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure that I'm ready for Google to or <laughs> nice. I'm not sure that I'm ready for Apple to go inside my uh, cortex quite yet. Give it a couple years. Well, once they announce it, I'm sure that Samsung will be right behind them. And Google. Well, no, Google will have already released it. You'll just have everybody complain about the fact that, do you really want Google in your mind? They'll listen to everything. And I put a Google Home in my bedroom. Yeah, Google's pretty much already in my mind. I I just accept the inevitable, and I want the ease that comes with that. I'm excited to try the Pixel version 5. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's not like I hold them to a different standard than I hold Apple to. I'm really excited for the future and what they're going to be when they figure it out and when they fix all the things that they learn are problems. But you can't do that until you release something. And I don't want to be Apple's guinea pig with the AirPods, probably. Do you know anybody with a Pixel? Nope. Haven't even gotten to see one. I had uh, I had a friend on Facebook that was... Uh, considering between an iPhone 7, a Pixel, and the Samsung that doesn't explode? I think most of the Samsungs are the Samsung that don't explode. Yeah, but the new like the new one that doesn't explode. Is it the uh, the Galaxy 7? Because the, the Note 7 is the one that explodes, right? The Note 7 explodes. The Galaxy yeah. 7 does not explode. So It must have been a Galaxy 7, but uh, I think she ended up with an iPhone, which is probably still the right choice, but um, I'd like to know somebody with a Pixel so I can play with it. Well, I'm more than happy to go try one in a store, but I mean, unless Apple does something magical with their next few releases instead of incremental, I mean, 
it's going to at least be a question in my mind at some point when I go to upgrade, do I want to try this? I mean, if all Apple does is try to lock me in with services, which suck because most of their services suck, uh, I'm not going to really, that's not going to convince me to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I still think Android has a ways to go, but um, if the pixel catches on, it's probably the best chance for them to have like a decent experience with it. Well, the Chrome is, or the pixel is not necessarily Android and it includes the Google assistant where Android does not at this time include the Google assistant. Plus if the hardware is a lot like, like an iPhone, I would say that, you know, two comparable things that came out at the same time, I would say there's a lot that Apple leaves to be desired also. Hardware or software? Software, services. Yeah, well, services for sure. I don't necessarily, it's not that I don't agree with, I just don't care that they do all this stuff for privacy. Like, that's great. But uh, that's not my concern. I, I like the ease of use and the reliability of Google services that you get with, you know, it goes up to the cloud. I'm not saying that you can't do all the same things on device, but there's a lot of limitations already in services around photos, around you can't change the volume on your headphones without a internet connection because Siri goes to the cloud, but it's got to be like, I mean, and that's almost actually the opposite of my argument, but they keep everything so uh, vaulted and secure that there's limitations. Yeah, it's still crazy to me that they, you know, I have uh, an iPad, an iPhone 7 Plus, a Mac. Uh, that's probably it. But, you know, other people have more than that even. And when my when my pictures are analyzed, they're analyzed on every single one of those devices so that that device can, can be predictive. Um, yeah, it sounds great for privacy, but that's a lot of, like, wasted CPU cycles. It's inconvenient. I mean, the first thing that I do is I get home when I'm on Wi-Fi and I open the Google Photos app and sync them all up anyway. I don't use Google Photos. Is that something I should get into? Google Photos is better than Apple Photos. Uh, and they're available everywhere. And no matter what device you're on, when you search your Google Photos with the same search term, you're going to get the same results because it's all processed at a cloud level. You pay for that? Nope. It's all based on the amount of storage that you have. Okay. So I think I have, uh, is it 15 gigs of storage for free now at, in Google or something like that? It's more, I, it's more than I'm worried about right now. I have a lot of photos. I've been syncing my photos since 2009. Really? Huh. I don't have kids. Yeah, that's true. I do take a lot of photos of kids. I take a lot of photos of dogs. I'll have to look into that. I'll put it on my to-do list for uh, maybe a New Year's resolution. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have photo cloud storage on my New Year's uh, to-do list. Um, I want to circle back to my taking a lot of photos of dogs. Most of the photos I take are of dogs. I don't take a lot of photos. Oh, that's a good clarification. Most of the photos of dogs that I see now are in uh, Marco Arment's Twitter feed. Good reason to consider stopping following him. It it is actually a very good reason. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't mind five or ten dogs a day, but when, yeah, he's hijacking my Twitter feed, 
for pictures of dogs. Like, yes, I get the point. Like, I, I can stop following some of the people who all they do is post political commentary. And that bother, if that bothers me, I will stop following and I can change my feed however I want. But when somebody else has the ability to change my feed completely, that's a lot of power. And with great power comes great responsibility. And he should understand that more than anybody. Fair enough. Okay, so TSA pre-check. Um, learned an interesting thing last week. You don't have to go to the airport for this. So uh, I was always worried about whether I had enough time before my flight to go and take care of this, and do I want to think about that when I'm about to go somewhere. Certainly don't want to think about it when I'm coming home. So I looked into it, and obviously, you know, right now you could randomly get TSA pre-check. TSA pre-check is amazing. Because security at American airports is just ridiculous. Outside of what's actually checked for, airport to airport is completely different. I have people stop me for things when I'm returning from a trip and are, and are like, you know, you can't have this in your bag, right? And I was like, well, how do you think it got here? So it's just, it's amazing uh, when you randomly get TSA pre-check and you're through security in under five minutes, you don't have to take your shoes off. You don't take your laptop out of your bag. You don't take your liquids out. They treat you like a human being, which is nice. So I was looking into it. $85. Basically, it's the cost of the background check. Five years of TSA pre-check if you're approved, which... And does that come with does that come with global entry as well? Nope. That is, okay. yeah. So global entry is different. And I didn't really look into that because I don't have to leave the country all that often right now. Uh, and most of the recent times coming back into the country, I haven't had a big line. So, uh, I was only worried about the TSA pre-check. So I went online to figure this out and I realized that there was a, an office right by here, uh, that I could just run to. Not when I had a flight, I could schedule it out in advance. Um, didn't really occur to me at the time that they don't just have these offices everywhere. They're using offices for other things. But I basically went through the application process online. It's basically like filling out a background check. Uh, have you lived in your house for the past five years? Have you ever been convicted of a felony? Are you who you say you are? Have you ever had a maiden name? Anything like that. Um, and it, the longest part of the application was figuring out what my previous address was. So I went through, uh, added all my information and scheduled an appointment. They basically had appointments every half hour on. You know, it's around the holidays, so there were some blackout days, but I was able to get an appointment for today, uh, for noon. So today at about 1130, I decided I was just going to drive over a little early, didn't know exactly where it was, said it was next to Target, drove over, it was next to Target, but the only thing next to Target was H&R Block, and it took me a couple of minutes to realize that it was in the H&R Block. So I went in about 15 minutes early, I checked in. Woman told me to have a seat, so I sat down. Before I got comfortable and started playing with my phone, they already called me up. I went all the way to the back. They verified all the questions they asked me on the application. They charged me $85. They verified that I knew what my social security number was, and they electronically took fingerprints. And I was out of there before my... I was out of there and home before my appointment was supposed to start. Wow, that's amazing. So is it uh, H&R Block employees then that are doing this? Uh, I, I can't 
tell. Uh, some woman just walked up from the back. Um, it was just a long, narrow office with cubes on either side, and she had the last cube. And uh, well, I'm not even sure it was her cube or if it was the cube used specifically for TSA pre-check because it obviously had an electronic fingerprint scanner. Um, but it, ten minutes, maybe, maybe ten minutes. And as long as uh, my background check returns what I expect it to, uh, I should get TSA pre-check on all flights in two weeks. Wow. That's pretty amazing. So you basically, once you pass background check, you get a known traveler number, so a KTN, and you just have to supply that with the airline at the time that you book your ticket. I think, I suspect that there might be a way that they can figure out that you have a known traveler number, even if you don't add it. But at the time that you check in, they just run your known traveler number against the name on the ticket and grant you TSA pre-check. And it just shows up on your ticket. And it actually is embedded in the QR code. Huh. So uh, when TSA pre-check first came out, there's only like a couple places in each airport or maybe one place in each airport you could do it. Now it seems like it's getting more and more so with it seems like they're expanding this quite a bit are they i haven't flown in quite a while but have they expanded the tsa pre-checks at the airport then too so it seems to be available at more airports um to me <laughs> so let's go to the tsa pre-check end game right uh everybody pays 85 dollars as a bottleneck to limit only the people who travel the most often to pay it because $85 over five years, not that bad. $20 a year, $18 a year, whatever. Um, you know, that's not killing anybody who travels a lot. Eventually it seems to me like it's just going to be like the year 2000 where you could go through security and keep your shoes on, keep your laptop in your bag because everybody's going to have TSA pre-check. And it's just a way to gather everybody's fingerprints and make everybody or, you know, if you have 40% of people who are going to travel, who've already had a background check and you know a lot more about them, uh, it's sort of like voluntary submission into government data. You know, I mean, I don't want to get down this rabbit hole, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's basically what we're, we're paying to get back to what we already had. Um, but I mean, eventually it's just going to flood TSA pre-check, right? Well, that's what, that's what you'd think. Yeah. But I guess, um, if they keep expanding it, then it, you know, it'll be just like the year 2000 unless you don't have pre-check and then it, it'll like flip eventually. Right. Well, I suppose that the, the number of people who randomly get like the TSA pre-check on their boarding pass, even though they haven't paid for it is probably based on the amount of people they expect to be going through it at any given time, because they know on a given flight, how many people on that flight should have it, have paid for it. And they should be able to figure out demand for security based on that. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I don't know, but you would think that they'd be able to figure out some sort of throughput, uh, and only give extra when it's available for capacity. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with, throughput but um i know that going through security right now is annoying super annoying and given my 25 percent 
agreement on my travel schedule, which is actually 50%. Uh, I'm feeling it. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting when you talk about the they should be able to, to figure out based on who's traveling that day what the demand is for the uh, you know for the pre-check. Um, I suppose that explains why that app cost forty thousand dollars to make or two hundred and forty thousand dollars to make or whatever it was. You remember that the randomizer app? No, the one that decides if you should get spot checked or not. Yeah, the uh, no, the one that decides whether you are are able to go to the pre-check without having a pre-check pass. Oh no, I didn't. I haven't heard about that. You know the they have like a dedicated person that just taps on the screen and it says yes or no. Yeah, uh, I can't remember how much it was, but it was like some ludicrous amount, and they probably didn't do themselves any favor by calling it the TSA randomizer, because it's almost certainly not random, and hopefully they are taking into account some sort of plan demand on how many travelers they have that day but uh yeah it's kind of kind of a bad branding thing but it, it i mean it looks random to the to the layman but uh that's one of my pet peeves uh when someone calls and tells me that my app is doing something totally random i have to explain to them that in order for it to do something totally random i would have had to do a lot of work and it's almost impossible yeah i i feel like we uh we should have undercut that bid and uh, sold them a dice, a die, and uh, we could have marked it up probably what like a thousand percent for for every airport every time the die lands on five pre-check. Yeah, that's basically you know what I thought when I saw that is, and I'm sure that you could go uh, find apps in the Android store that are like fake TSA pre-check where somebody just put together like a red and a green screen. And uh, you push the button. And I'm sure they didn't get paid all that much money. So I just want to point out, at this point, it's taken us just about as long to talk about my experience with TSA PreCheck as it took me to actually go through the background check. I like that. Now, I will say, too, with uh, TSA PreCheck, um, I think it was the first time that we traveled with Mila. When she was like three months old, we got PreCheck. And if you think PreCheck is good business traveling when you know what you're doing, uh, pre-check with a kid is so amazing. But I got pre-check so I wouldn't have to deal with you with a kid. Yeah, I'm pretty good with the kid, though. You just put her in the car seat, push her through the metal detector, and you're good to go. What about everybody else? Yeah, they shouldn't do it. Just me. So the Wild play the Blue Jackets on Saturday, I think. And if the Wild beat the Islanders and the Blue Jackets beat whoever they're playing next, the Wild will be on a 12-game winning streak. The Blue Jackets will be on a 14-game winning streak on Saturday. Well, I'll try to help you with that on Thursday. Oh, yeah, that, I'd appreciate that. Are the Islanders any good? Um, Their record says they're not very good, but they are better than their record. Okay. Um, They really started the season miserably but they've played better the last few games. Right now, they are... Oh, yeah. There's... Oh, they moved up quite a bit. So uh, about a week and a half ago, they were in last place in the Eastern Conference. Now, they are in fourth to last place in the Eastern Conference. And also, that puts them... There's four teams between them and the playoffs. Uh, Oh, they're... 14, 14, and 6. 
It was worse. So. Well, it's amazing what a 11-game winning streak will do to your record. Yeah. Wild had 11 wins when they started this winning streak. You know what the worst part about it is? They're still behind Chicago. Yeah, well, Chicago's really good. They do have the second best, uh, second best points in the Western Conference, but they're still behind Chicago. Wow, Columbus. I remember last year, before the season started, Bill Simmons was like, you want to make money this year, bet on Columbus. And then Columbus finished in like last place in the NHL. And now this year, they have the highest point total in the NHL through 33 games. Oh, wow. They're through 33 games. Chicago's through 37 games. And Columbus has 52 points. Chicago wow. has 49. They're 24-5-4. and four. That's ridiculous. That would never happen if the Golden Knights were already in the league. <laughs> are, so, they, uh, are they in the Pacific Division then, the Golden Knights? They must be. Um, well, there's two more teams in the Eastern Conference than in the Western Conference, right? So they're going to be in the Western Conference. Obviously, that's where Vegas is. Um, but... Yeah, they have to be in the Pacific Division. They're not going to shift anything, are they? I don't think so. So the Pacific Division is San Jose, Edmonton, Anaheim, Calgary, the Kings, Vancouver, and Arizona. I mean, they have to be there. Yeah, they have to be. Which would mean that the Central still has a higher percentage of teams that make the playoffs. I'm okay with that. They're plus 37 in differential. The Wild are? Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, it is, because the Blackhawks are plus 14, and they're second. They uh, they do not give up very many goals. If they score, um, If they score three goals, they win the game. Holy crap. The Eastern Conference is way better than the Western Conference in differential. So in the Western Conference, the top three are... The Wild at plus 37, the Blackhawks at plus 14, and the Sharks at plus 12. In the Eastern Conference, you have Columbus at plus 46, Montreal at plus 28, Pittsburgh at plus 24. Oh, I missed the Rangers. The Rangers are plus 31. Yeah, doesn't that just speak to like lack of parity in the Eastern Conference? Um. You have a few teams that are just way better than the rest of the conference, whereas the West is is pretty uh, heavy up and down. Well, the West also has the lowest point getters in the NHL. Uh, the Avalanche are at 25 points total, and Arizona Coyotes are at 27. Those are the two last place teams in the division. Detroit is at 34 points, and the Devils are at 33 points. So those are the two last place teams. I, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously differential doesn't necessarily talk about parity, but it seems like maybe the West is beaten up on the East. Well, I think the uh, for a while now the East has been more like free-flowing, high-scoring, where the West has been more like checking one-goal games, right? I don't know about that. 
Really? Like you got the Rangers and the Penguins and the Capitals that just fly up and down the ice. Yeah, the Rangers are a much more physical team than the Capitals and the Penguins. Those are two different styles. Uh, I mean, the Islanders are more in with the, like, they're a poor man's Penguins. Um, But then you, like, yeah, you look at the West Coast teams, you look at, like, San Jose and Anaheim, like, they're not getting in one-goal games, and if they are, it's 5-4. to Yeah. I I guess I haven't watched any San Jose and... uh... I haven't watched really any of the, the West Coast teams. Well, I'm thinking I'm more thinking back to last year. I guess I don't know what's going on this year. Yeah. Well, you know, last year Anaheim had uh, the best coach in the in NHL history. Why they fire so, him? <laughs> I guess they were tired of winning presidents' trophies. Whatever happened to him? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I really like the new guy that Minnesota's got, though. <laughs> 